You're in a Fenestration Conversation, where Canada's window and door industry talks about the things that matter to our businesses. Now here's your host, Patrick Flannery. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Fenestration Conversations. Today, I had a great talk with uh, Marco Paterman from Global Architectural Products and Services. Marco is the uh, North American rep for, uh, well, actually, I think he goes to South America as well, uh, for uh, Fuchs Austria and uh, Continental Laminating Products. Uh, he really knows just about all there is to know about uh, laminating uh, window and door finishes. Um, he uh, uh, is just a wealth of information. He's presented at a number of uh, industry events that I've been at, and I wanted to get Marco on just to uh, give us really the FYI on all things laminate, uh, particularly from the standpoint of someone in, in uh, parts of the world where laminate is, is not so popular. For instance, here in Ontario, um, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a, a, a process that seems to have been uptaken in some areas and not in others. And uh, we get into a, maybe a little bit of why that is and, uh, and also just take a look at where that technology is today and whether it's, uh, and try to answer some questions about whether it's something you wanna look at for your process. Um, so uh, great conversation with Marco. Uh, please enjoy and uh, see you next time on uh, Fenestration Conversations. All right, I'm here with Marco Paterman from Global Architectural Products and Services. Marco, how are you doing? I'm fine. Hi, Patrick. How are you? Yeah, it's great to great to have you with me today. You're the uh, you're, you're the you're the expert on uh, on all things uh, on all things laminating and uh, and and finishing. And uh, I've seen your uh, your act at uh, at some different conferences, and it's always very informative. And and you've you've been doing this for a while. Why don't you uh, Why don't you give us the background on uh, on yourself and uh, and global and and what you're doing? Well, I'm Marco Paddleman with Global Architectural Products and Services. And I specialize on finishes, the laminates, exterior laminates for profile wrapping, um, including the wrapping equipment, laminating equipment, bending equipment. Um, and I'm doing this since actually 21 years now. I started out in the industry in 1999 with back then Conrad Hornschuh HE, one of the original manufacturers and inventors of the exterior laminates. And Later on um, in, the, in the 2000s, I went independent to have a more holistic approach to the entire lamination and wrapping industry because just selling one component you usually doesn't finish the puzzle. So laminates go along with wrapping equipment, with protective films, with touch-up product, products. And that especially in North America, when I then mainly after taking care of many regions worldwide and having built up many markets for the exterior laminates, I focused predominantly in, on North and South America to, to further develop and push the development of the exterior laminates in this market. So saying that, I, my portfolio um, is exterior laminates from Continental, um, Fuchs wrapping, bending, and lamination equipment. Both companies have a long history of several hundred years actually being in the industry. And not this industry, but originally when they were founded, um, out of what developed out of the original portfolio. And nowadays, uh, it's exterior laminates, one division at Continental. And Fuchs um, is one of the three oldest companies in Austria and has a heritage of 475 years. Um, together with those products come in conjunction protective films because you also want to protect the surface um, from um, transportation, log logistics, damages during manufacturing, installation. Protective films not only go on to laminated surfaces, they go on any surface. And touch-up products like touch-up pens, special cleaners, and anything which is related to this industry in, in which helps the manufacturers and my customers to get better in their business. Awesome. 400 years. Wow. That's uh, <laughs> some of those companies go back. <laughs> we don't, we don't get that too much over here. So, and, and well, and there, and there you go. I mean, I mean, obviously laminating wrapping has been around for uh, a very, very long time um, yet. 
there, there's, there's still a lot of people in the, in the window and door industry that, uh, that don't use this process. And, uh, and, and I, I think we're going to, we're going to get into a bit of uh, a bit of that and why that might be uh, uh, today. This is going to be an education for me, uh, for sure. I, I don't know uh, a whole lot about this stuff, which is great. I uh, always, uh, always want to learn some new things, and I think everybody will. So to, to that end, Marco, why don't you start out just by explaining uh, a little bit about what we mean when we talk about laminating and wrapping and, and how that process might be different from, from other finishing processes that the industry uses. So laminating or profile wrapping is a very flexible and highly efficient process to apply a high-end finish onto a substrate. I call it substrate because it's not just vinyl window profiles or aluminum window profiles or fiberglass. It can be also wooden door jams and, and cellular PVC. And all of these products are actually being, being laminated and wrapped. I also make a differentiation between lamination and wrapping because wrapping is actually really you wrap something around like a window profile. Laminating is what we call more a flat process where you, for example, laminate a sheet or you laminate a trim board and just go two-dimensional around the corners. So the history of profile wrapping and lamination actually comes originally out of the furniture industry where many years ago, already in the 60s, 70s, when they started to laminate wood veneer or paper on, on organic substrates like MDF or particle board um, uh, to, get, to get the finish as, it would be, as, as something would be real wood without having to use real wood. Out of that in the 80s developed the technology, changed a little bit. Um, because laminating a synthetic substrate like vinyl or aluminum is more challenging than, let's say, laminating an organic substrate like uh, a wood profile. It's more forgiving, let's say that, where with a substrate like a vinyl or aluminum, it is a precision is, is necessary, high precision. So the technology changed in the 80s, uh, became more precise, and that's when the exterior lamination of window profiles started. And before that, basically the only way how to get color onto a window profile, let's say an example of a vinyl window profile, was either it was capstocked, so co-extrusion, or it was painted. Talking about painting in Europe, for example, painting was never really a big topic in getting um, a finish onto, onto a, a window. North America had always has been a very big portion of the market. Capstock was used in Europe and is still used, North America, of course, as well. Laminating started in Europe with exterior laminates and then made a success story throughout the world. Basically, nowadays, everywhere worldwide, from north to south and east to west, you will find laminated window profiles with exterior laminates. And that literally since 19, around 1983, 84, was the time when the exterior laminates have been invented and they perform since then. And when it originally started, really it was mainly a product then, okay, it's going to be used on vinyl window profiles. But from there, it went to aluminum, it went to fiberglass, sandwich panels, really a multitude of substrates. Very popular in North America, for example, is also the lamination of trim board cellular PVC. Huge market because trim board uh, cellular PVC is being used to a high level in North American construction. Hmm. And that the um, initial initial challenge uh, or, or why it's a little more challenging to do the process on uh, on vinyl and, and some of these non-porous substrates, uh, is that just a matter of adhesion, uh, Marco? Is, is, that, uh, is that what... Yeah, needed to be one of the biggest differences is a synthetic substrate like vinyl or aluminum has to be prepped. So when talking about the wrapping process, it is a wrapping line, which is about 18 feet long. And the profiles or the substrates enter the line in one end. And there's a primer station. A primer station is a, sta a station where the surface is being prepped. To make it simple, the pores of the surface are being opened so it later can get a good adhesion 
to the adhesive. When we talk about adhesion, we always talk, when we laminate something onto a surface, we talk about three adhesions. I only call it adhesions because it's two adhesions and one cohesion. So you have the adhesion of the laminate to the adhesive. You have the adhesion of the adhesive to the substrate, and then you have the cohesion, which is the adhesion of the, sub, of the, of the adhesive in itself how well the adhesive bonds within itself. So starting with a, the profile wrapping, you prep the substrate to open up the pores. Um, the primer is then being um, evaporated off by hot air usually, and the temperature also of the substrate is increased. The laminate is, before you, you wrap it, it's being slid to the necessary width. This, the, the globe is the standard width of the laminates which are used in the window industry are 26 inches 660 millimeter the laminates which are used in flat lamination for door panels for example are 1320 millimeters which is 52 inches so the laminates are slid to the width of the profile which you want to laminate the adhesive which is used nowadays is predominantly a solid adhesive, which is a PUR hot melt adhesive, which is melted on demand. It is applied from a melter through a hose to a slot nozzle. That is also the state-of-the-art technology which you use nowadays. A slot nozzle which you open and close just the width you need for the laminate. The melted adhesive distributed out of the slot nozzle is being applied on the back side of the laminate. And then the laminate with the adhesive on it and the substrate come together with an application roller. Usually you start on the top with the application roller, the larger surface. And then there's rollers, which are all adjustable in different shapes and you can move in any direction along the process while the substrate or profile moves. And those rollers adjust the laminate to the different shape of the profile. At the end of the line, there's also the option to apply a protective film with an, an additional uh, protective film applicator, which is a very simple process because the protective films are self-adhesive. And then the end of the line, you have the finished profile, and then you have several options um, where people, you just take it off manually on a roller rack or automatically, automatic in-feed and out-feed. There's also options where you have an automatic knife so that, that in between the profiles, as it is a continuous process, so you enter one profile and right afterwards you enter the next one. So it keeps going while the foil unrolls. So you have to cut in between the profiles. You have also an option to do it automatically. You even have the option to have a flying saw there, which can cut off any ends which you would like to cut off. So that's pretty much profile wrapping in a quick nutshell. That is a great explanation. Um, the um, does that does that when you when you slit the laminate, uh, is it is it possible if you have a notch or a, or a change in the in, in the profile somewhere along the line you want to laminate? Is is it is it is it possible to have a shape on there, or does it always have to be straight edges, straight flat slitting? It always has to be straight edges, and there's actually not really. I haven't seen any product out there which has a notch or something. It's it's all straight straight lines because it's a continuous process. Right, right, yeah. That that's just a crazy idea that was in my head. Well, it's not that crazy because there are other products out there where, especially if we talk about trim and siding, where sometimes the manufacturers ask, can we wrap around the ends? Yeah. And there's additional technological solutions for that. But that's a little bit of specialty there. Interesting. How, how has all this process changed, say, you know, in the last 20 years? You know, so, so some of these guys maybe haven't looked at this for 20 years, 30 years. What, 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 what's changed? What are, what, are the, what are the recent advances been? It is basically a change from a horse and a carriage to a car. Wow. That's pretty much what you can say. If you look at equipment, um, I mean, the concept of profile wrapping has stayed the same. But the technology being used and the precision and the monetary um, has, has just increased so significantly that you can't even compare it anymore. I mean, if you look back at wrapping machines, which have 20, 30 years, yeah, 
it's just very basic rudiment rudimentary technology based originally on the profile wrapping machines which were engineered or built for the furniture industry which originally are very simple ones that's why it also makes a difference what type of equipment you pick for example folks from austria they started right away with synthetic substrates so they when they started out they never made in the initial beginning equipment for uh, furniture industry they always made equipment for the window profile industry, which demands more precision. And from there, they went also to making very high-end custom equipment for the furniture industry. So just a couple technological differences is 20 years ago, or even 15 years ago, there were still also solvent adhesive used. So two component adhesives, which nowadays nobody uses basically anymore. The efficiency of the equipment, that means the speed, the changeover has has significantly changed and also to take the human factor out of the wrapping process. So nowadays, if we look as everybody has its challenges to find skilled labor and to keep skilled labor, you want to reduce the human factor as, as much as possible. And the equipment nowadays with the monitoring they have automatic humidifiers, which you can include into the machine, remote access gives you just so many options to always have a consistent quality. So one of the, one of the great things, actually just one more thing on the process thing. Um, when, when you're doing the wrapping as opposed to the laminating, mm -hmm. um, the, um, I assume this, like I'm, I'm picturing trying to wrap something around an irregular shape. Um, this must have to be heated up uh, uh, so, that the, uh, so that the wrap will like suck down onto the surface. Is that how that's done? Well, that's what you explained with the wrap sucks down on the surface. That is more from the, we're going back to the furniture industry, which is a membrane breast or a vacuum membrane breast. That's, for example, how you would get a laminate onto a kitchen cabinet. Yeah, that, that works with vacuum and, and with membranes. Now, the profile wrapping itself, as it is a continuous process, it's an inline process. The same with the lamination. It's also a continuous process. It's just much wider and it's usually a flat surface. And sometimes it's two dimensional where you just go around the edge of a surface, especially in case of trim board. You've, 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 exposed, my, uh, you've exposed my background on that, Marco, because uh, the reason I had that in my mind was, uh, was because before I was doing this job, uh, I was the editor of Wood Industry Magazine and it was furniture wrapping that I, and cabinet and cabinet wrapping uh processes that i saw there uh very so. related industries and actually that is also a little bit the origin where the exterior laminates came from because before the exterior laminates there were interior laminates and there are still interior laminates nowadays used in interior architecture and that is also interesting topic the difference between interior and exterior laminates tell so, me worldwide the laminates which are used on windows are predominantly exterior on the outside and the inside. So the same laminate which is used on the outside is used on the inside. Because that has to do with the history, how profile wrapping started in Europe. And there's a difference to North America. So when profile wrapping started in Europe, they started to wrap the outside of the window. And the inside of the window was not wrapped. So it just stayed in the color of the extrusion, which predominantly in Europe was white or is still white. So when they said we want to get color on the window profile, besides capstock, they started wrapping on the outside. Thus, an exterior laminate was needed. In North America, when the wrapping started, it was the other way around. They already had paint or capstock on the outside and said, we want to laminate on the inside, a wood grain. So interior laminates were created to use on the inside. Then when it became popular to do B color, also laminate on the, in the inside, of course, Europe and many other markets worldwide, except North America, started to use the same laminates, which were outside on the inside, because it's convenient, it's the same color. It has a high resistance against cleaner UV, and you just keep one stock instead of having two stocks. Now in North America, when laminates started to become popular, and I would say they started to become probably about 15 years ago and really very strong in the last 10 years, 
then people said, well, we actually already have interior laminate. So we only need an exterior one. But there is a change happening also in North America now where a lot of users say, well, why do we keep two similar looking laminates or two qualities, one for the inside and one for the outside, whereby it is more efficient to just have one. And on the other side, you also have to keep in mind that let's say you have a double hung, a single hung or whatever type of window. If you use the interior grade laminate on it, you still have that little rim of the window on the inside of the window, which receives a lot of UV radiation through the glass. So interior laminate, of course, is by far not as UV resistant as the exterior one. And I'm not even talking about weather resistance. I'm just talking about UV resistance. So there's a sh shift starting that what used to be interior laminates on the inside, also in North America is changing over now to using the same exterior laminate on the inside of the window. Neat. And now you're, you're mentioning uh, uh, color and finishes. Um, that, that's one area that, I, that you know, uh, even a, a relatively un, un, uneducated person like myself can see that there's been a lot of change. Uh, there, there, there's been a lot, of, uh, a lot more offerings there now, it seems to me. Than, uh, than, than there ever used to be, right? I mean, you can get basically any look you want and, and with textures, right? Yeah, so that is a huge topic. Let's go back to the 80s when this industry started with exterior laminates. There were only a few laminates and it was classic wood grains like a golden oak, a dark oak, a mahogany, a sapeli. These were the, basically always, if you look back in those days, what was available in furniture and in flooring, people picked similar laminates because you wanted to match interior architecture. Right. You want the inside, and I'm, right now I'm just talking inside, the inside of the window, match your flooring and your cabinetry and, and whatever furniture you have. And that portfolio, and I would call say about maybe 20, 30 colors, including also solid colors, of course, that stayed like that, I would say, until the 2000s. And then the portfolio really changed. And I, we made a big impact also on the change of the portfolio due to the fact that Continental works in several fields uh, of products, many different products, also a lot of design products, automotive industry, where we get an input of a lot of different textures and surfaces, furniture industry, so we have the input of a lot of different finishes, colors, textures, which will come out in the next years. And we combine that knowledge to create more modern looking um, laminates. And we did it in a gradual step, moving from the old school wood grains to more modern one, to really now wood grains, which feel and look like real wood veneer. And I'll talk about that in a minute. And besides the wood grains, and I just started with wood grains because there's a big difference also in the, in the type of design selection. In North America, the main selling laminates is black and black and black. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. So, but it's pretty much, it's, it's pretty much, like that. it's black, it's dark brown, and it is brown. So and it's solid colors with a stipple finish. It's stipple is like a little pebble structure. And that comes back to the topic that these two regions have just developed completely different from each other regarding design and color choice. So solid colors, when they started to make the solid colors, and that's an interesting story too, back in the eighties, the solid colors had a wood ticking on it. And the question is why? Why did the solid colors have a wood ticking on it? Very simple, because what was back then the competitor to vinyl windows, the main competitor was wood windows. When you paint a wood window, you change the color, but you keep the ticking. So when the exterior laminates were made in solid color, you did the wood ticking on it. But now if you look at it, this kind of like looks old school, because now the main competitor of vinyl windows is not any more painted wood windows. It is painted or powder coated aluminum or fiberglass windows and they don't have a wood ticking so a couple years ago and again we also initiated that very strongly there was a change in the solid colors from the wood ticking which is still available though 
to a stipple and pebble finish, which just looks much more modern, has a very low gloss level, and that really hits the trend right now. Gloss, we're talking about gloss levels of two. So it's really a flat matte surface. Yeah. And that's solid colors. And then there's metallic colors. Metallic colors was interesting addition to the program. And I think if I look back, metallic color started, I would say somewhere around 2005, um, if I recall correctly, because back then, an, an example of vinyl windows, when you had a building with several floors and let's say with a powder coated aluminum or with a, with a brushed aluminum and half of the building was supposed to get renovated. Sometimes you were not allowed to put replacement windows in there if you change the optical appearance of the facade. So the windows, the outer windows have to look the same as the floors which are not changed. So that's where the need started that also let's say vinyl windows or fiberglass windows can look like brushed aluminum windows. So back then, and that was one of the first um, metallic designs was a metallic brush, we call it matte brush. And since that actually a huge metallic line evolved from sprinkled metallic with little flakes in it, brushed, brushed cross hatch, there's a huge variety. So basically, you can say they're solid colors, wood grains, metallics. And then there are some special designs which are used on facades because the laminates, as I mentioned, also are being laminated on flat surfaces. So they can also go on ACM, aluminum composite panels, which are used for complete facades. That is, that, that it, 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 it is amazing. What, and, and I know, you know, I mean, the, the, the neat thing is, like you say, those, those old laminates, um, you know, they, they, they had a little wood grain fleck in them or whatever, but I mean, no one would ever be able to mistake it for, for real wood. Um, it was, you know, kind of a, a best, best, best attempt. And, uh, and, uh, now, I mean, like you say, you can put, you can put that finish on there and you can't tell the difference really from, from brushed aluminum. You can't tell the difference, uh, uh really from, from real wood. It, it, it's almost, uh, uh, at the point of that. I mean, the advances they've made just, I, I guess it's just materials technology. There, there you're holding up, yeah, you, you're holding, holding up. up a sample. So this is, for example, one of the last releases this year. So if we talk about, so what is the latest trend in finishes? Yeah. yeah. It's from a solid color, flat matte, as matte as possible, dark colors, but also into light colors. And wood, wood, wood grain, wood grain laminates, which look and feel like real wood. And here I have our Turner Oak Toffee, which is the latest addition to our Woodek program, which revolutionized the industry with its realistic look. And if you look at this, even especially also on this sample, you have, we have a seamless welding in the corner. If you yeah. look at this and if you touch it, you literally cannot distinguish this from tell. real wood windows. Yeah, you can't tell. It, 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 it certainly, certainly from any distance, you, you'd have to be putting a magnifying glass on that thing to, to, to know the difference. Oh, what have you got? We have, we have another one. Yeah. So, and then uh, here I have the chat black. The chat black was instant hit in the year 2016 when we launched the, the darkest black in the market with the lowest heat buildup. We launched it in the year 2016, and that's an interesting story as well. We launched the Chet Black in North America, and then it transitioned over to Europe. Many design trends in this industry still come from Europe and then transition over to North America. This has changed. Since Chet Black and its success story, which literally Chet Black in less than two years became the top seller number one. Never, nothing like that happened before. And it literally became top seller number one worldwide. And the Chet Black, as it has been so popular and is popular, we offer now in a variety of five different finishes. Let me show you here, for example, this is the classic Chet Black with the pebble. Yeah, yeah, it looks, it's, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a flat black. It's not a high gloss. It and this is our Matex line. The new Matex line has a gloss level of two. It is so smooth and so matte. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's exactly it, on the trend. It's, it's the, the trend of the time. 
Yeah, and people are doing it on the exteriors as well as the interiors. Uh, it, it, they're, they're trying to get that look uh, basically on, on, on both sides of the window. They, they must have, and, and you mentioned the, the heat buildup. I know there's been advances there as far as uh, well, it's just the chemistry on the, on the, on the laminate, right? Um, keeping the, uh, uh, what, it's, it's bouncing UV or uh, it's just not absorbing the UV? Well, it's, it's a little bit more detailed topic. So I'll try to keep it as non-technical as possible without having to so, show any charts because yeah, usually okay. that's kind of like it's needed to explain it. Yeah. But let's start with the sunlight. Mm -hmm. The sunlight can be divided in three different types of radiations, basically, not in detail, but basically um, ultraviolet, which is responsible for the weathering of a surface, but it doesn't really contribute a lot of heat buildup to a surface. Then you have the visible portion of the sunlight, which gives the beholder, the beholder of a surface, the, the color. So that's what gives your image, okay, this is a green, this is a blue, this is a red. And then we have the infrared spectrum of the sunlight. Both the visible spectrum of the sunlight and the infrared spectrum of the sunlight contribute to the heat buildup significantly of a surface. Okay, in the visible part of the sunlight, we cannot really play around with it because otherwise we change the color. Right. But in the infrared portion of the sunlight, which is not visible to the human eye, we have a technology, which is a patented technology, um, which is called cool colors, cool color pigments. These are pigments which reflect up to 80% of the infrared radiation of the sunlight. So just imagine this 80% reflection compared to standard products out there, which cannot use that technology because as I said, we hold that patent, which maybe reflect only 20%. Every surface has a reflection obviously, yeah? and depending on the color, it is more reflection and less reflection. But as, a, but as a rule of thumb, we can reflect with our technology up to 80%. Other surfaces reflect only up to 20%. That difference of reflection, which is 40%, where we reflect more can lead up to a heat build up reduction of easily 11 degrees Celsius. Wow. So that means the same window or same building product laminated with our laminate compared to a competitor's product or a different finish stays up to 11 degrees Celsius cooler. Hmm. Yeah, just and just to, yeah, just completely pretty much eliminating that whole, you know, objection that that there used to be about about you know, your, your window frame is going to be so hot, it, it's going to, well, and even, there even used to be concerns about uh, destroying the IG seal and, and, and things like that uh, with, uh, with excessive heat buildup on window sashes. So that's, yeah, you, 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 it looks like, it looks like you guys have found a way around that. So that's. Yeah, with that technology. And I mean, that is, that is not the only field of where this technology is being used. Actually, before we started to apply the cool color technology in the exterior laminates in the year 2003, that's when we started it. We applied it when if I say we as Continental, they applied it in on artificial leather, the naugahyde, what is what is called in, in North America, for upholstery for convertibles, motorcycle, ATVs. Because keep in mind, if you drive a commer, uh, convertible or an ATV or a motorcycle in the summer and you sit down on your black seat, it is hot. Yeah. So that was one of the first civil uses for which we applied the cool color pigments. And then from there in the year 2003, we, we applied them in the exterior laminates. Interesting stuff, that's neat. Okay, let's move on to, let's move on to a, bit of the, uh, a, a bit of the manufacturing uh, uh, thoughts about this. Um, one thing that springs to mind if I think about um, uh, finishing my profiles with laminates or, or wraps is that I'm gonna have to keep on hand a, a, just a huge inventory of foils uh, to to Matt, sorry, I'm I'm saying foils again. That's probably coming out of my old background in the in in, in the furniture thing. Um, but, but you're going to have to keep a, a, an inventory of different looks uh, on on hand uh, in order to do that. W what do you see people doing, Marco? As 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 far as addressing that inventory, is it is is it a concern to have to have a lot of different things on hand depending what the customer wants? Not really. Um, first of all, we have our total global program is about 180 different laminates, okay. 180, which we maintain constantly on stock in our global headquarter, mm -hmm. in our, which is in Germany, 
and our US facility, which is in Winchester, Virginia for the continental laminates. We keep about, I would say a variety of 25 designs on stock, which are predominantly the designs used in North America. And there has been an evolution. If I go back to the year 2010, 2011, there have been maybe four or five colors in the market. So what we kept on stock in North America were four or five colors. And now we're looking at around a variety of about 20 different laminates, which we keep in stock. And as needed, we add new laminates and we keep sufficient stock to supply all the demands of the customers in North America. And if somebody wants something extraordinary, which is not on domestic stock, we can always ship it in, we can fly it in, and there are sample rolls available. And sample rolls are being used very often where a customer is bidding for a project and the builder wants a mock-up. So there are sample rolls, 50 meters, 100 millimeter available instantly from any design. And a lot of customers use these to make a couple mock-up windows to bid for projects. Right, right. So there's not really the need to keep that huge of inventory. And the lead times are very fast. We have a very fast turnaround of of shipping, so um, it's very convenient. Yeah, it, it and it isn't. It isn't usually a matter that there there is that wide a range of 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 what people are for. The trends are the trends, and 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 like like you say, if you've got matte black these days, you're pretty much set for seventy five percent of your orders, probably. You know what I mean? So it's it's it, you can move from year to year and plan out. You know what you're what you're going to have. It seems. Okay, that's a good that's a good answer on that one. Um, you 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 describe the machinery uh, a, a little bit. Um, I, it, it, well, a lot, and it was a great explanation. Um, what are we talking about in terms of floor space needed? I think you mentioned eighteen feet long. Um, what 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 are we looking at for floor space in your plant? Um, and and how are are there special things you have to do with the room? Uh, what's the what's the setup like? So the machine itself. Mm -hmm. is usually around and there's different lengths yeah but I'm, I'm just talking the average length of a machine and okay. can be modified you can add on in the beginning in the primer station if you use low VOC or water-based primers or in the in the wrapping zone if you have very challenging shapes and you need a longer wrapping zone but the average line is six meters okay so about 18 feet and then you have to take in count before the wrapping line, you have profiles and behind you have it. So you have three times 18. So you're close to 60 feet and then you still need some space to walk around. So I say as a rule of thumb, you have to have at least 70 feet length, which is about 21 meters. Yeah. yeah. By about 10 feet width, which is about three meters. The line itself is only a meter wide, but you want to be able to maneuver around. So actually better is more, I would say four meters. So 21 by four meters gets you the wrapping operation. Then of course you still need your space for the profiles, but you generally have that if you work in that industry. So. Yeah, yeah. Not to, um, I, I'm not imagining these these lines are, are, are very heavy. Standard, standard floor is usually fine. Uh, in a standard industrial floor, concrete, yeah, that is absolutely fine. And yeah. from the process itself, from the conditioning, what uh, what you were asking is the process of uh, profile wrapping, of course, as it works with adhesives, adhesives cross-link. In order for the adhesives to cross-link, you need certain surrounding conditions for them to cross-link properly, wow. which usually is a certain level of humidity because pure hot melt adhesives, they activate themselves by pulling humidity out of the air. So if you have a very dry climate, let's say below 40, below 30% humidity, you will have to either humidify the area, but nowadays the technology which is being predominantly used is on-spot humidifiers. So the machines can be equipped with an on-spot humidifier, which is, is connected to the machine and the machine checks the humidity. And if additional humidity is needed, it is created. There's a little humidity cloud created right at the spot of lamination at the union between the laminate and the profile. And that's where you need it. And then you need a certain temperature. We usually say um, you should, laminate around room temperature, let's say 70, 17 degrees Celsius and above, because if you go lower, you reduce the cross-linking. 
of the adhesive. So that means it's gonna take longer that you have a final adhesion. So these are the two main things you have to, besides of course, you have to take care of its temperature and having the right humidity. And of course, clean environment because you don't want any dust particles or saw particles enclosed in between the laminate and the profile. But this is pretty much a standard, standard business. Ventilation's probably not a, a, a huge concern if you're using water-based, right? Um, it is not really a huge concern, but to be honest, water-based um, primer systems are not really used that much in North America yet um, because regulations are not uh, demanding it. On, on the other side, the water-based uh, primer systems also demand uh, longer primer distance and they are have more narrower parameters of process. Not saying that they don't work as well as the other ones, it's just, it makes the process a, even a little bit more challenging than using the standard primers which are out in the market. But as I said, every, every company has its own policies, what um, consumables they use and what technology they uh, implement. Hmm. Okay, good. I'm, um Again, talking about the process, I'm seeing a lot of moving parts here. I'm seeing rollers that have to be aligned. I'm seeing uh, 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 servos and control systems that have to be uh, uh, fairly finely tuned. Uh, what level of training do your people need to have, uh, Marco, to, uh, to, to to run a lamination process? Is this How's that accomplished? So the people who run a lamination line, um, and it depends really what type of technology you use, uh, demands how many people you will need, usually don't have to be highly trained people. But they should be skilled workers who take pride in their quality, which every worker we uh, company hires expects to be a skilled worker and take pride in, its, in, in what they produce. Um, it is not rocket science, to put it simple, profile wrapping. And um, when, when a customer buys a wrapping line, usually they get an initial training with the startup, which is a full week of training where the technician comes, you know, the wrapping line comes and is already ready to set up and plug in. It takes less than a half day. And then the training starts where the, the team is being trained by the startup technician. There's a follow-up training. And from the laminate side, from Continental, we also have um, application technicians and their job is they help our laminate customers. And no matter what type of wrapping equipment they use, they help our laminate customers to get better in their wrapping process. So that is a courtesy service to our, our, our customers to, to help them improve their their wrapping process. And with that training, it is actually, um, it's, very, it's very easy to learn this process fast. And then the most important thing is, people who have been trained, they should continue wrapping and producing. If you, if you switch and you have people who, who hop from one job to another within the company, what they have been trained gets lost very fast. Mm. Yeah. There's also the option when you when when a customer buys a new machine from Fuchs, for example, to go to Austria and get a training on site as a courtesy to our 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 customers. And and lately a lot of international customers also oversee take really advantage of that. Because when they're on site before the machine, first of all, they get trained on their own machine before it ships. Second of all, being still at the headquarter, a lot of customers then choose that we want to make some modifications on the line. And that is, of course, the easiest and fastest done at headquarter. It can be also done in field, but as everything is available at the headquarter where the machines are manufactured, it is the easiest and the fastest. Yeah, I used to see that on the machine tool side a lot. There was definitely an advantage to sending your operator uh, for, for training uh, uh, away because when they were at the workplace and 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 in the, you know, in the shop, uh, there tended to be a lot of distractions, and uh, and it was it was you know they they they'd even be you know kind of trying to accomplish their own work or something off on the side, and and it was it was great to be away and have that focus, and the operators appreciated it because it was like a little vacation. Uh, or not a vacation, but you know what I mean. Yeah, okay. That's what a lot of people get wrong. They think, oh yeah, we're going to send him off to a 
foreign country and he's going to spend uh, a great time. There. Of course, he's going to spend a great time there, but he has to work. Yeah, he's gonna. Yeah, he's gonna be. He's gonna be working his ass off during the. <laughs> during the, yeah. the, the training is not is not uh, is not always is not easy. You gotta you gotta think about it, for sure. Um, what um, and you know I I know what. Uh, 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 continental and, and and you guys will be that will be the very best in the world at this marco but what should uh it, it dep- whoever you get whoever you get for your for your lamination and uh and, and profile wrapping needs what what should you expect as far as the service uh, is it typical that um that companies have things um like locally in Canada, they've got parts and, uh, and and service people available if the machine breaks, uh, or is this stuff usually coming from overseas or or America? All of it, all of it. So um, we have a let's say normally the best spare part is the one which you don't need. Mm-hmm. So that is our philosophy. That's also how the machines from Fuchs are engineered. They're not engineered for just three years, five years. They're engineered to pass on. To pass on for many years in the company. Um, the only parts which you usually need mainly are the consumables, which are rollers or filters, which are just by the use of the machine are getting consumed. Um, and the consumables can be very easily planned because you know what you need and they are usually shipped from the headquarter. Yeah. Yeah. Our, by coincidence, our um, technician team for North America is based in, out of Markham, Ontario. Oh, terrific. So it's it's a Canadian team and they take care for our startups and on-site service in North America. They have a so-called emergency stock. If somebody runs out of a and from I myself in Ohio, I, I reside in Ohio, also keep a small emergency stock but i mean all these machines have so many parts it would be impossible to keep all the parts in all the sites and stock so usually it's at a headquarter and then we ship it out yeah and there's there's everybody knows what the things are that you know will fail most constantly well and, and the thing is usually when somebody buys a machine and that's part of also explaining the people the process you suggest them, okay, this is our list of suggested critical path parts, which you should always have a backup because if you mess this part up or something goes wrong, um, then you can't run without having this spare part. And actually, I would say 90% of the customers who buy new equipment order right away a spare part kit with it just to have it there. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody who's been in business before, We'll we'll know to do that. Um, the um, so talk t- talk to me about speed. Uh, what kind of uh, what kind of throughput uh, are we talking about here? How much how much profile can we make on a on a setup? Well, that pretty much really depends on the type of technology you choose. There are the standard profile wrapping lines is where the profile runs through the line, right. and there's also different technology. I'll just mention that in a minute. So, and those range really from 20 meters to 30 meters a minute. I say 20 to 30 because there's two tiers of machines. Uh, more basic machine, which, which runs up to 20 meter. Other one, which is our top end line, which runs up to 30 meter. That is also the line we call it 83 PLM, professional laminating machine, 327. Those, this is our most sold line in the last two years. And that can run up to 30 meters. Now we say run up to 30 meters a minute means not every profile is going to run 30 meters. There is going to be glazing beads, which are more challenging, more difficult shapes. So really a good average range is let's say 12 to 24 meters a minute where, where you're going to be. And it's also depends when somebody starts, they might just run at eight meters and then a month later, they're going to increase. So as an average number, I personally like to use 18 meters. A minute, an overall average of everything what someone might wrap. Yeah. If I multiply that by the hours of the day, yeah, and the breaks and the setup times, if I deduct it, you easily can look at around 6, 5,000 to 6,000 meters a day, which you can laminate. Wow. With one shift. So, so the throughput is 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 quite is quite large, yeah. It is it is it is large. It's um, is that fast? That that seems to be faster than you can achieve with painting, typically. 
Yes, it yeah. is faster than achieving with painting and it is also cheaper. And that's another topic. So um, I have a couple customers which have some a unique constellation, which are third party finishers. And they added profile wrapping to their existing third party um, finishing options later in, in, their, in their stage. That means they started out as paint shops yep. where they paint, they powder coat, they sublimate, yeah, um, with sublimation. And they added then a couple of years ago profile wrapping to be a one-stop shop for surface finishes. And all of these customers who have that unique constellation of being a one-stop shop for surface finishes basically give me the same feedback in comparison, cost paint compared to laminate. On an average, one can say laminate or profile wrapping is about 30% more cost efficient than painting. 30% because you don't have to overspray. Yeah. You have more consistency in product quality talking from one paint batch to the next one you don't have any paint noses you don't need to tape or mask anything off you don't need to if you if we talk about lineals if you paint boxes you have to basically you make a window and then you take it apart again you tape it off you paint it and then you put it back together that all costs a lot of time and labor with profile wrapping not there you go so let's get to the 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 probably the thing that well, let's let's find the sweet spot in your industry where the profile wrapping makes sense versus painting in terms of how much you need to change your job, right? Like 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 what kind of batch sizes are we looking at here uh, at the at the point that it starts to make sense, Marco? You know, there's not really a set number because there's different technology. Earlier I mentioned um, the profile travels through the wrapping line. Right. There's also wrapping line where the profile sits on the line and the wrapping head travels along yep. the profile. Different concept, small quantities. Um, um, for example, for, for very small custom orders or you have a, a window which is on reorder, which has to be done for for a location where they have sold windows 10, 10 years ago and they just need the same design again. So there's no really a set number, but from an efficiency point of view, I mean, you don't really want to run just one stick through a wrapping line. So I would say a good rule of thumb is about 150 meter, 500 feet at least for a run. And the higher your runs are, the more efficient you get. And change over times are really not that large. If you have the right technology, and we usually make sure to explain to customers what the right technology is, because it is, of course, in our interest that they run as efficient as possible. Um, with quick setups and quick guiding rollers, you can easily get to a change over time below less than 20 minutes. And if you work with preset jigs, these are tool jigs, which you can just set on the machine, preset for the profile. So you run it and you set it up once, and then you put it on the shelf. And every time you run that profile again, you just put it on the machine. You can easily get to a setup time below 10 minutes, that's which you can do really that. fast. Okay, that's, that, that, that's interesting. I didn't, I, didn't know, I didn't know you could do that because I'm, I'm envisioning setting up rollers like, you know, on a, on a, on a metal roll forming line or something like that. And, and, you know, that, that's a laborious process. I mean, that, 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 well, again, <laughs> I'm going back a few years. Ago, well, and, that, and that where it also comes in, 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 in place is what technology do you choose? There's very basic um, wrapping lines, which sell also for a very basic price, but they will also give you only a very basic efficiency and long change over times. And, if, if you invest in the right technology, it usually um, gives you a fast return on investment. The majority of my customers who have bought wrapping lines often have the return investment. If they do the investment in the beginning of a year, they have the return investment often within the same year of that equipment. So it goes so fast, yeah. And, and talking about paint versus laminate, I mean, there will always be a certain market for paint. Like if somebody comes and says, I want 200 windows in that special green. Well, if the, that green is not available in laminate, nobody's going to make a uh, special green, strained color, whatever, 
for just 200 windows. That's where paint is always going to be. But let's talk about jet black or brown, where you have thousands, hundreds, thousands of windows. Yeah, that's, of course, optimal choice for laminates. And if you're, and if you're a smaller shop and you're, interesting in, and you're interested in, uh, in, in uh, working in laminate and having that capability, and your and your batch sizes are relatively small and are changing all the time. That's where you want to be looking at making sure you get the options on the on the machinery changeover where you can where you can easily swap out the rollers where maybe you have a little more electronic. Maybe you, you go up a little bit on your sticker price on the machine just just to have that th those 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 flexible options and those quick changeovers on the on the foils. And maybe you look like you said. At a at a stationary in place wrapping system, uh, maybe instead of the feed through profile system. That there's even the option to have an inline wrapping system for extruders. That mean when they extrude their vinyl profiles, they can have right away after the extrusion line a, yeah. a lamination machine. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, although the machines nowadays, modern machines are also created or engineered modular. That means you can add on later more components which make it more automatic and more adjustable we talked a bit about the solar uh about the solar capabilities that i i, I know have come a long way um general durability uh uh marco i, I know i know you're going to have a good story for me on this uh <laughs> the, the the what 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 are our expectations from laminate versus paint uh when it comes to durability uh resisting moisture resisting uh, i don't know even even other other ex and i guess we're talking exterior now yeah we're talking exterior. it is it is superior it is a, a superior finish to all the other finish choices the laminated just from the basic way how it works the, how it is applied and what it brings to the product uh, let's talk about thickness, for example. An exterior laminate has an average thickness, and I say average because depending on the laminate, there's thickness difference differences. But average laminate has a thickness of about eight to ten mil, so that is two hundred to two hundred fifty micron. Right. There's no paint out there who has that thickness. No, no. And from a UV resistance, just the mass which we have in a laminate of pigmentation, yeah. Mm -hmm. And the surface finish, the ticking, a paint can't have a ticking, for example, yeah? So it's ma mainly flat, or if it's a ticking, it's a very mellow ticking. Um, scratch resistant, our Matex and Wudek program, for example, have on top of the PMMA, which is the acrylic overlay. So talking about a little bit the laminates structure, the acrylic overlay on the top of the laminate is the portion which gives the majority of UV resistance. On top of that, our Matex and Woodek programs have a PVDF coating on top of it, polyvinyl defluorate, which is highly dirt resistant, nearly self-cleaning and very scratch resistant. And the bottom layer of our exterior laminates is vinyl, PVC. And there's other technologies out there. We have all over those years investigated many technologies, worked on many different versions of laminate, we decided on purpose to stick with a vinyl bottom layer because you never change a winning team. If you adhere two identical plastic or synthetic products together, and let's say a vinyl bottom layer film with a vinyl profile, you, you adhere two identical plastics together, which have the same expansion and contraction rate. Right. Vinyl, for example, when it gets hot, it tends to expand. Acrylic, when it gets hot, it tends to shrink. So there's forces. That's why we have a vinyl bottom layer. And from a performance um, set, laminates were invented around 1983, 84. And since then they have their success story. And I can tell you, I mean, I've been now 21 years in the industry and I have visited and I still visit sites which have been built 20 years ago. And we keep master samples of all the productions and when we go to those sites, we take the master samples with us from that production one and still compare it. And they still perform. They still perform. There's even building projects older than 30 years which perform. And we hold ourselves up to such a very strict color hold of LAB and grayscale that if, if 
if you don't tell somebody that there's a color, a slight color change, they wouldn't even see it because it is so minimal. And we're talking here really about delta E's of less than two. Yeah, after five years, after 10 years, it's not even detectable for the standard consumer. And, and the, the laminates itself are being really used worldwide from, from Northern Canada down to the tip of Ushuaia and Argentina. And that is basically my territory nowadays. Yeah, <laughs> to Novosibirsk in Russia, yeah? yeah, to New Zealand, to Asia, to Africa, there's, no place where the laminates is not used in any elevation. There are buildings up in Aspen. Yeah. There, there's, there's, there, there's a, there's a refugee house um, on on top of one of the mountains in Quito, Ecuador, which has one of the highest elevations with our laminate. The Hard Rock Cafe in Ushuaia, in Argentina, where's the ozone hole? Yeah. Yeah. It's with vinyl windows with our laminates on it. Marco, it sounds like it can go anywhere. I it think can you. pretty much go anywhere. And it also goes on many more surfaces than it originally was intended for. As I said, not only window profiles, but yeah. door panels, siding, trim, um, so many different options. And it just outlasts paint by, by so much. And if, when we talk about warranties, of course, we give also warranties for the laminates. Yeah. And I always encourage people when they say, but okay, with that finished product, they have a lifetime warranty. Yeah. With that finished product, they give 50 years warranty. And that, my first question I ask the people is always, so did you stop reading the warranty after you heard 50 years of lifetime? Or did you read the warranty to the end? Yeah. Because Whatever is being warranted only depends on how you warrant it, to what standards, to what color hold, yeah? And what do you warrant in case of a warranty? What is your compensation? Do you just compensate for the, the cost of the paint? Which if you look at a window, if, if a window is installed in the building, the value of the paint is less than 1% on the window. Mm -hmm. So, or do you actually have a warranty for repairing any defects or fixing the product completely? So these are a lot of details when, when people talk about warranty and lifetime that you really have to compare it completely. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Um, any, I, I guess back to a process question, any ability to wrap or uh, laminate? Uh, well, I guess you could, you could laminate assembled uh, frames, right? If you, well, at least I guess you'd have to do two no. sides and then turn it or no, you can't, you can't. No. Assemble no. Frames at all. So if, um, assembled frames or sashes are usually, or not usually, are not laminated. Okay. okay. It's laminated before. The only way when that happens is in so-called field repair. So let's imagine there are several options of field repair. Let's say somebody drills a hole into a vinyl window. Yeah. There's special fillers in the color of the laminate, which you can put in there. Okay. Yeah. Somebody has a deep scratch or a scratch on the surface. You can use touch-up pens. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Those are also the pens you use for the corner welds. If you have classic corner welds, if you have seamless welding, you don't need touch-up pens for the corner weld. And if you have really a severe damage of, of a window, there is the option of relaminating it. It's, okay. it's basically the same laminate which is on the window originally, but it is self-adhesive. Okay. There's a very specific process you have to follow doing that. And the people have to be trained in order to produce good quality with, with anything. If you learn something only once and never apply it, you're not going to be able to do a good job when you need to. So usually for that, there's field technicians out there. And we train also the field technicians for that. And... When relamination occurs, it's usually only um, on, the on the frame and never the sash because the frame is what is in the wall and cannot be easily replaced. The sash is easily replaced, yeah? And you always relaminate if you do that from one corner weld to the next. You never patch. You go really from one corner weld to the next. So you do a complete relamination. So it is possible, but as I said, it is... It is, it is a process which demands skill. Right, right. Marco, you were skeptical we could do that. We could fill an hour. 
<laughs> I'm telling you, this has been this has been action packed. Uh, so that I, I think uh, I think we've had some great information here. Um, uh, anything else you want to touch on before we go? How do how do people get in touch with you if they have more questions? Well, they can they can go on my website, which is www.gapser.com, G-A-P-S-E-R, uh, for global architectural products and services. Or they can also go on the web website of Fuchs, where my contact details are, or Continental Exterior. But the easiest is go on my website, www.gapser.com, and shoot me an email. But I think a lot of people in this industry already know me since a few years. So. <laughs> I think that I think that is entirely possible. But listen, uh, always great to hear from you, and thanks so much for uh, for all of that, Marco Paterman, Global Architectural P Products and Services. Uh, thanks a lot, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Thank you, Patrick, and happy holidays, and Merry Christmas, and a good start into the new year. Fenestration Conversation is a presentation of Fenestration Review Magazine and Annex Business Media.